Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Good morning. Welcome relief. Overnight, gas prices dipped below $4 a gallon for the first time in months. And the new numbers just out showing where that record inflation stands this morning is the tide beginning to turn. Taking the fifth, former President Trump repeatedly declining to answer questions during a deposition over his business practices. Straight ahead, what his lawyer is saying about that. And the new details now emerging on what led to that FBI search of his Mar-a-Lago home. Breaking overnight, underwater. These cars are all going to sink. Flash floods submerging neighborhoods and stranding drivers from Washington, D.C. to Tennessee. And new storms on the way. Al's full forecast coming up. Leveled the search for survivors in Indiana after this deadly home explosion caught on camera. There was debris and insulation falling on us. Dozens of surrounding homes damaged by that blast. Some so severe crews unable to enter them. We're live with the very latest from the scene. All that plus back in court. We'll take you inside convicted killer Scott Peterson's push for a new trial with final arguments expected today. And love, love, Serena Williams gets a standing ovation and fights back tears as she begins her farewell tour. Her message to the legions of fans also not quite ready to say goodbye. Today, Thursday, August 11th, 2022. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Oda Cuffey. Live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. And hi, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to today. It is Thursday morning, and we are so glad to have you started with us. Hoda's got the morning off. You almost had the morning off as well. <laughs> Stop. Yeah. Well, Savannah Guthrie rolled in about 15 minutes ago. She overslept. She is normal. She's normal. 15 minutes ago with no hair, no makeup. Yeah. It was a terrifying sight, but some miracle workers upstairs yeah. rolled me in, and I'm very happy to be here. Oh, very happy to have I'm you. even happier to have some long-awaited good news to tell you about on the economy, too. For months, we've been talking about those gas prices hitting all-time highs almost on a daily basis. Well, this morning, the national average is back under $4 a gallon. That's the first time since March. Yeah, and while that is encouraging, of course, food prices up more than 13%. That's the biggest jump in decades. In fact, the average cup of coffee now more than $4, even more expensive than your gas this morning. We've got it all covered. We'll start with NBC's Tom Costello. Tom, good morning to you. Yeah, good morning. I've been talking to oil and gas analysts. They think we're going to probably hug the $4 a gallon mark, 25 cents either side of that for some time to come. Now, remember, during the Russian invasion of Ukraine back in March, the White House tapped the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, a million barrels of oil every day. That ends in October. So that could send prices higher. This may be a short-term reprieve, but at the moment, we do have some encouraging economic news. This morning, more relief at the pump and coming below a key number. Gas prices dropping below $4 a gallon for the first time since March. 
Prices skyrocketed this summer amid inflation, supply concerns, and the war in Ukraine. Today, the national average is now $3.99, down a dollar and three cents from the peak back in June. I'm grateful that they're coming down. But prices are still much higher than they were just a year ago. All part of continuing inflation eating into everyday Americans' pocketbooks. And today, the latest economic numbers show no change with the inflation numbers month to month. Good news with the overall year-over-year -year inflation number dipping slightly, down to 8.5%, still hot, and still at decades-high levels. Everything is way above what I paid a year ago. President Biden hopes Congress will help move the relief needle in the right direction. We need to pass the Inflation Reduction Act right away. <clears throat> That's the most consequential thing that Congress can do to keep our progress. But experts say that $430 billion piece of legislation the House is set to take up tomorrow will have little effect on the more immediate factors that could help lower inflation. It doesn't strike me that there's any legislation uh, that's going to fix the inflation problem in the short term. Meanwhile, housing and food costs continue to climb, with higher prices on all of the major grocery staples. The biggest hike in eggs, which have nearly doubled to about three bucks for a carton. All of it adding to what's already been an unprecedented and unpredictable economy. A month ago, everyone was concerned about a possible recession. Is that no longer as big of a concern? Recession is still a concern. But if we can indeed lower the rate of price increases, lower inflation, then consumers have a fighting chance in this economy. And Tom, of course, the Fed is set to meet next month. We'll consider raising interest rates again. So what are the factors? What are they looking for? How do they thread this needle? It wants to see, the Fed wants to see more economic data suggesting that hopefully inflation has peaked, that it's starting to edge lower, and they also want to see more encouraging jobs numbers. We had a blowout jobs number, of course, last week. They want to see that continuing, if possible, and they want to see, hopefully, inflation hit a target of 2%. Again, we're 8.5% now, down to 2. That's going to take some work. So everybody expects the Fed will have to hike rates again next month. The question is by how much. It may not be as much as last month if the signs are encouraging, Savannah. All right, Tom Costello leading us off. Thank you, Tom. Now to those mounting questions that surround former President Trump. He is the focus of several investigations now. And in a deposition for one of them yesterday, the former president took the fifth more than 400 times. NBC's chief White House correspondent Kristen Welker joins us with the latest on that and the FBI search carried out at Trump's Florida home earlier this week. Kristen, good morning to you. Hi, Craig. Good morning to you. Former President Trump is facing mounting legal pressure on multiple fronts, with new fallout from that FBI search on his Mar-a-Lago estate and reports overnight the bureau may have had help from a Trump World insider. This comes as the former president sat for a civil deposition on Wednesday, as you said, that could have its own ripple effects. This morning, new details are emerging about the latest legal challenge for former President Trump. According to a source with knowledge of the case, Mr. Trump invoked his Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination more than 440 times during a deposition that lasted four hours. It's part of a civil investigation of his business practices by New York Attorney General Letitia James. His lawyer says he answered one question his name, and read a statement accusing James and her team of a witch hunt. This after he previously mocked others for invoking the fifth. Fifth Amendment, Fifth Amendment, Fifth Amendment. Horrible. Horrible. You see, the mob takes the fifth. 
If you're innocent, why are you taking the Fifth Amendment? Now I know the answer to that question, Mr. Trump said in a statement before the deposition, saying his family, company, and people in his orbit were political targets. Mr. Trump also saying the FBI search of his Mar-a-Lago estate on Monday in an unrelated investigation solidified his decision to take the fifth, calling Monday's search a surprise attack, even though the Bureau was executing a court-approved search warrant. That search connected to classified documents from the Trump administration, and this morning reports that an insider may have provided information to authorities. The Wall Street Journal reporting that someone familiar with the stored papers told investigators there may be still more classified documents at the private club after the National Archives retrieved 15 boxes earlier in the year. People familiar with the matter told the journal NBC News has not confirmed that report. It comes as pressure is mounting on the Justice Department to explain its actions. A current senior Justice Department official and a former DOJ official telling NBC News multiple officials within the DOJ believe Attorney General Merrick Garland should make a public statement explaining the need for the search. FBI Director Christopher Wray, who was appointed by Mr. Trump, was asked about the former president's baseless claims agents may have planted evidence at Mar-a-Lago during the search. That's not something that I can talk about, so I'd refer you to the department. But Ray did condemn the surge in violent threats against law enforcement by some Trump supporters online in the wake of Monday. And that undoubtedly will continue to get more fallout. Now, one more really interesting note that we want to point out. Former President Trump in 2018 strengthened a law for how people would be punished for mishandling classified information, basically strengthening that law from a misdemeanor to a felony. It's a move he made after criticizing Hillary Clinton for mishandling sensitive information in her emails. Craig. All right. Chief White House correspondent Kristen Walker for Kristen, thank you. Also this morning, crews in southwest Indiana are searching for more potential victims of a deadly house explosion. The blast caught on camera. You see it right there. It was so powerful, it damaged dozens of surrounding homes, too. Some of them are too unstable to enter now. NBC's Jesse Kirsch joins us from the scene. Hi, Jesse. Good morning. Savannah, good morning. You can see debris still scattered across the road behind me here. And even though we are being kept back because of the police line, I can clearly tell that one of these buildings is blown out, standing but not safe. And just moments ago, the mayor here in Evansville told me that some of these buildings aren't even safe enough. They are so dangerous that rescuers aren't able to go in there to search for people. And that's one of the reasons we don't know just how many people might still be missing. The deadly blast caught on camera just before 1 p.m. Wednesday. Investigating an explosion with heavy smoke. Debris shooting through the air, flying all the way down this Evansville, Indiana street. Dispatch 1 Engine 4 is on scene. We have a complete demolished house. This morning, a closer look shows the devastation is even worse. Officials say at least three people are dead. Two of the victims killed inside the home that exploded. It was bad. Uh, excuse me. I looked over and saw the guy in the grass, and I knew he, he, it looked bad. But there was a lot of people lost everything down here. Their houses are totally gone. The fire chief says a fourth person was injured, and 39 homes were damaged, 11 now uninhabitable, with some structures badly battered and buckling. We felt like a big tractor trailer semi hit our buildings. It was that big explosion, and it shook 
inside the building. Now authorities are trying to figure out how many people may still be missing. For a time, the fire chief says first responders couldn't get within a roughly 100 foot radius as the ATF finished its blast analysis. There could be other victims. We've not yet completed our uh, search. The buildings are not safe to enter. This marks the second deadly home explosion in Evansville since 2017. And the fire chief says Wednesday's blast was bigger. There's still no word on what caused this latest devastation. It was a gut punch. It really was. It was uh, devastating and uh, there are a lot of families hurting tonight and, and our hearts are with them. The fire chief says that in the immediate aftermath, there were no signs of a natural gas leak, but that has not been ruled out yet as the cause either. And with several people displaced, we know the Red Cross is here to help. We don't have a firm count yet on how many people have been displaced. And we asked the fire chief what he expects when the search efforts continue later this morning. And he said it is not likely that there would be survivors. Savannah. All right, Jesse Kirsch at the scene for us there. Jesse, thank you. Lots more to get to this morning as we welcome in Chanel. We're talking about some nasty weather down in D.C. Absolutely. Breaking overnight, in fact, powerful storms that packed plenty of rain triggered flash flooding that's overwhelmed neighborhoods from Washington, D.C. to Tennessee. We'll get to Al's forecast in a moment. But first, NBC's Emily Aketa joins us with the very latest. Emily, good morning. Chanel, good morning to you. Residents in Washington, D.C. had little time to prepare for torrential rain that dumped four inches in just two hours. That flooding prompting water rescues and chaos on the roadways for commuters as other parts of the country today brace for more flood threats. The summer of extreme weather striking again this morning with flooding in the Washington, D.C. area trapping residents and storms wreaking havoc across the country. In Washington, D.C., heavy rains dumping as much as four inches in less than two hours. These cars are all going to sink. Brown floodwaters pressed precariously up against the glass doors of this dog day care shop. This is almost halfway up the door. Downpours making a soggy commute for some residents. On the Capitol Beltway, chaos as long lines of cars clogged the roadways, forcing road crews to use rakes and shovels to clear out storm drains, prompting numerous water rescues. And I was coming through and then it just, everything just hit the truck. It comes in a summer of severe weather and destructive storms. In Georgia, after severe thunderstorms and winds this week, two U.S. soldiers were struck and killed by a falling tree while training, according to Army officials. Three other service members were injured. And in Texas, a miraculous rescue after a woman trapped in her car in El Paso was saved just moments before her vehicle was mostly swallowed by a sinkhole. And Tennessee also faced strong storms that brought heavy rain, three inches of rainfall in parts of the state, submerging cars and flooding roadways. But Chanel, we're learning this morning some good news. Those dogs we mentioned in that flooded daycare, they were all brought to safety. We love to hear that. Chanel, that is good feel. news. We'll take that one. All right, Emily, thank you. And brings us to Al Quarter after. What are we looking at today? Well, we've got this line of showers and thunderstorms stretching from New York all the way to Charleston. We've got some flood warnings there. This is part of a cold front that, while causing some problems, 
problems now. The good news is it is bringing in a refreshing change. You know, we always talk about the heat dome. Well, this is cool Canadian hair. It's a cool dome of Canadian air that comes in with cooler temperatures, lower humidity levels, and that is going to feel so much better. In fact, look at these temperatures through the weekend. Into the upper 70s in Chicago, low 80s, Detroit, Saturday and Friday and Saturday, low 80s in New York City, low 80s down in D.C., Syracuse, you're in the 70s. These are temperatures that are actually below average for the first time in probably two or three weeks. And as we slide to the south, again, more temperate conditions for Nashville, Atlanta in the mid-80s, New Orleans mid-80s, Houston only in the low 90s, and falling humidity levels and temperatures below average. In fact, Dallas, take a look at this. Their temperature, their forecast today is 96. Their average high, 97. So, in fact, this will be their first cooler-than-average day in 44 days, and they finally got some rain. They finally broke their... They had been 67 days without rain, finally got some rain yesterday. And that's your latest weather. Coming up in the next half hour, a celestial doubleheader. Ooh, exciting. What does that even mean? That's why it's called a tease. (laughs) I'm excited. A celestial doubleheader. Thank you, Al. Thank you, Al. Still ahead this morning. We're going to talk about convicted killer Scott Peterson. He's back in the spotlight and back in court this morning. We'll be live with the latest on his push for a new trial in the murder of his pregnant wife, Lacey, 20 years ago. Also ahead this morning, there he is. Sam Brock's going to join us with why our coffee and prices are hotter than ever. Craig, you know what? Inflation has forced so many of us to cut back on the things that we love. But coffee, that, my friend, might be a bridge too far. The average cup of coffee now more than $4, which in many places could be more than a gallon of gas. Coming up, I'm going to explain why skipping a trip to the coffee shop, though, might not save you more money than having that sit back at home. We will explain Uh, right after this. That's a good tease, too. Sam, thank you. We're going to get to that and more. But first, this is Today on NBC. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash today just go to indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash today conditions apply need to hire you need indeed oh 
Savannah. I know. I can't even. Good I morning. Even. I know. I know. Wow. Oh my gosh. So we're, so we're back with some video proof oh my gosh. of what we mentioned off the top of the show here. Savannah racing in the <laughs> Studio 1A with no. just moments to spare after. You had a bit of an alarm clock. I know. Issue. You know what's crazy about that? It wasn't even an hour ago. No. That was like 35 minutes ago. No hair, no makeup, just a big old mess. Right. But you know, rolling in, coming often. in hot. People always ask us, you know, on morning television, do you oversleep? Not very often. No, not so very often, time. I guess. But yeah. yeah. You made it. I can't yeah. believe it. It's oh, a miracle. Nice. I'm so happy to be here. Good morning. <laughs> 7.30 now. It's Thursday morning. President Biden signed legislation yesterday expanding medical care for veterans exposed to toxic burn pits. The White House says that bipartisan bill known as the PACT Act is the most significant expansion of veterans' health care and benefits in more than three decades. This law is long overdue, but we finally got it done together, together. And I don't want to hear the press tell me Democrats and Republicans can't work together. We got it done and we got it done together. The Senate passed that legislation. It was an 86 to 11 vote last week after Republicans had initially blocked its passage the week before. A Florida man pled guilty yesterday to attacking police officers during the January 6th Capitol riot. According to court documents, 50-year-old Matthew Council barged into a line of Capitol police officers trying to push them back and created an opening for others to get through. Council was arrested at the Capitol. Matthew Council now faces up to 16 years in prison at a sentencing hearing in November. A follow-up now on a story we've been following for several weeks. Sesame Place has announced its employees will now have to go through diversity and inclusion training. The announcement comes following a $25 million class action lawsuit alleging multiple incidents of discrimination. It comes after backlash surrounding this viral video of a costume character seemingly snubbing two young black girls. The theme park says all employees will be required to participate in the training. We turn now to some new developments in a case that has been in the spotlight for two decades now. The murders of Lacey Peterson and her unborn son. Her husband, Scott Peterson, was convicted in 2004. But today, a judge is set to hear final arguments before deciding if Peterson should be granted a new trial. NBC's Erin McLaughlin has been following the story for us. She's got the latest developments. Hi, Erin. Good morning. Good morning, guys. You may remember last year a judge decided to reduce Scott Peterson's sentence from death to life without parole. Now his defense team is hoping for the case to be retried entirely, claiming there is proof of juror misconduct. This morning, convicted killer Scott Peterson is back in court. His legal team is set to present oral arguments one last time before a judge determines if Peterson should get a new trial for the murder of his wife, Lacey, and their unborn baby, Connor. Scott is hopeful. Scott's hopeful. It's been a very, very long journey, and he's hopeful that he will be granted a new trial. The push comes after the defense team discovered a juror on the case may have lied on a pretrial questionnaire. The defense alleging juror Rochelle Nice failed to let the court know she herself had been a victim of domestic violence when she was pregnant and that in 2000 she filed a restraining order in which she said she really fears for her unborn child. With her history unknown at the time, Nice went on to serve as juror number seven and helped convict Scott Peterson. Any regrets at all? About Earlier this year, Nice testified that she didn't disclose her past during jury selection because she did not consider herself to be a victim of domestic abuse. Still, Peterson's defense team has argued Nice's history led to bias toward a conviction. If in fact she had been a victim of domestic violence, whether or not she perceived herself to be, 
that would have been relevant information for the court to know. Lacey's family declined our request for comment, but in a court hearing last December, Lacey's mother addressed Peterson directly, telling him two things that will never change. Lacey and Connor will always be dead and you will always be their murderer. Nearly two decades ago, the months-long search for 27-year-old Lacey captivated the nation. Peterson's arrest came after Lacey's remains washed on shore miles from where he claimed to have been fishing the day she went missing. Now, after spending the last 18 years in prison, Scott Peterson may be tried once again for the murder he claims he did not commit. The judge has 90 days to decide if Scott Peterson should get a new trial. If that happens, his family tells us they are confident he will not be convicted again. Savannah. All right, Aaron, thank you very much. And we're joined now by today legal analyst Lisa Green. Lisa, good morning to you. Good morning. So first of all, I mean, this is a very high bar. It's hard to get a new trial. How likely do you think this is? It's a very high bar, as you say. It's not enough to point out that a juror made a mistake on a form, which happened in this case. The juror should have disclosed more about her personal life. It has to have been almost intentional on her part, and then significantly, that would have had to affect the outcome, the verdict in this case. So you see how high a bar it is when you isolate one juror and ask, shouldn't she have filled out this form more completely? So, but he's entitled to this hearing and they're getting into whether that, that, that very issue, whether or not this was an unintentional act by the juror leaving off that key information. And then this, another question is whether or not she was in fact biased. Well, that's right. Jurors come to jury rooms with a lot of human experience. And if you cut all that out, we wouldn't have juries. So the issue here really isn't just was her life experience relevant, but then once seated on the jury in that closed room, was her bias, if she had a bias, one that affected the outcome of the jury? Did she influence other jurors in an unfair way to Scott Peterson? And, and you just mentioned it, but that the final hurdle is really the hardest, that even if she were biased, even if the judge says, okay, you, you intentionally left off this information and you came in there with a bias, there's that final hurdle that they would have to cross, which is, and that made, a, that made the difference in the case. But for that, he would have been acquitted. So back we go to the evidence that the judge has access to and you look at the totality that got Scott Peterson convicted against Savannah, very high bar, totally within his rights. We'll have to see if the judge buys his story. Okay, and the judge has, what, 90, 90 days, days to issue a ruling. Okay, Lisa, thank you very much. Sure. When we come back, a standing ovation and a few tears overnight at the first stop on Serena Williams' farewell tour, her emotional message to fans as the tennis icon starts to wind down a legendary career. But up next, popular and pricey, the jolt being felt by coffee lovers over the rising cost of that daily cup right after this. Seven forty consumer confidential time. We've been focusing on stories that impact the bottom line around this time every morning. Yes, so today we're all about that morning staple for many Americans, coffee. In fact, the latest figures show consumption at a two-decade high. In fact, there's a pretty good chance you're drinking a cup of joe while you watch us right <laughs> now. Uh, unfortunately, like most everything else, the cost of that cup of coffee, it's also way up. NBC's Sam Brock joins us now to break it all down. Uh, break it all down. Sam, what's going on with coffee now? You know what? It's like everything is going up. Everyone feels that way, Craig. And we start our coffee routine in the morning at 4 or 5 a.m. For most people, maybe slightly more normal hours, 6 or 7. But the point is, 
It is essential two out of every three Americans have at least one cup of coffee every single day. It's now about $4 for a regular cup. A specialty like this latte, $5 a cup. If you extrapolate that over the course of a week, you're looking at about $30 per week. Of course, we all have more than one cup of coffee per day, making this a very expensive habit. Whether you like it hot, iced, or even frozen, enjoying a cup of coffee is how millions of Americans start their day. But even though so many have a whole lot of love for the bean, it's becoming increasingly costly to get that morning caffeine rush. The price of everything is going up, but I normally drink coffee at home on less special occasions. I know what it is. I hope you like it. <laughs> okay. In North Dallas, Brittany Willis is a franchise owner of a PJ's Coffee of New Orleans. She says everything from cooking oil to cups now costs more, pushing coffee prices up too. Inflation is really challenging. I've been very hesitant to increase my prices, you know, but you get to a point as a business owner where you have to say, am I looking to sustain and survive so I can continue to offer this product? The National Coffee Association reports about two-thirds of Americans drink a cup of Joe every day, the highest figure in decades. But many average Joes do appear to be adjusting to new circumstances. Coffee now is uh, not something of an everyday going out. It's more of a treat. And here's why. It's now more than $4 for a regular coffee, 9% higher than this time last year. For a specialty cup, that's more than $5, up 7% according to industry data, which means troubles brewing for budgets. Necessities like food and gasoline have already eaten into discretionary spending. Starbucks CEO Howard Schultz jolting investors in June. It's hard to be optimistic unless there is a plan to get inflation under control. While the inflation rate is slowing slightly, high prices are still a major issue for everyday consumers. The cost of food at home up 1.3% in July, while coffee nearly tripled that figure in the same month. Businesses like Brittany's hoping high prices don't grind away demand. Coffee as a whole continues to grow, and we're actually seeing uh, sales inc increases um, as a result. I mean, what's better than a warm or a cold cup of coffee? So for those who are thinking, all right, I know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to skip the coffee shop for now, drink at home. I'll save money that way because we talked about the fact, guys, that coffee's up 7 to 9%. Instant coffee, like these cherry cups, are up 17%. At-home coffee, according to the latest CPI, up 20%, more than double what this coffee is. So what we're seeing right now is a trend of people who are working from home. They come to the coffee shops. They enjoy the experience, spend all day here, and maybe spend less money than they would brewing on their stove. So just let that percolate a little bit, oh, simmer just wow. for a little while. I'm not going to say something really cheesy like it's mocha me crazy, oh, but you kind of get the gist of this. So Coffee's nice. definitely on the that was We're so the proud of you, Sam. That was probably the 10th pun in Sam's You've show. gone full today's show oh, now, my friend. I was going for a record. I love it. Oh, Al, are you proud? Exactly. exactly. A couple of woes. <laughs> Thank you, Sam. Here's the thing. I mean, I think people, you, you know, you, you'll pull back on food. Maybe you won't drive as much. But when it comes to coffee, oh, no, forget people, it. people are, they'll pay you whatever. Maybe this is now the time to go back to work and steal some of those K-cups. That's <laughs> Right? <laughs> Save some money that way. Are you talking to our colleagues, Alvin? No! <laughs> no! Would never suggest that. Uh, by the way, looking ahead to tomorrow's Consumer Confidential, we're going to make your back-to-school shopping a little bit more affordable. Vicki Wynn is going to show you 
where to find the best deals, and what you should be stocking up on to save more in the long run. All right, Al, what do you got in the forecast, Well, we got this celestial doubleheader oh, we were talking right. about, okay? Let's show you what's happening. We've got the Perseid meteor shower, the peak tonight. The best viewing is going to be after midnight. Uh, wherever you've got those clear skies, typically we're talking 60 to 100 meteors per hour. That's the first part of it. The second part, we've got the last supermoon of the summer, the full sturgeon moon tonight, called the sturgeon moon because around the Great Lakes, they said this is around this time, it's the best to catch the great sturgeon, which is a fantastic fish. Oh, the only problem, because of the full moon, that moonlight's probably going to outshine a lot of the meteors. So that's a little bit of a, we give it and we take it away. Uh, here's where you could get to see it uh, from Portland to San Francisco, some breaks in the clouds, clear skies around the Great Lakes, down through the Central Plains, cloudy though, down through the Southeast. Why? We've got that frontal system pushing down, so that's going to be bringing some more storms near this front. High rainfall rates, there is a flood threat in the Gulf Coast for today, right on into tomorrow. The best chance of storms tomorrow, stretching from Texas on into South Carolina along this front. Heaviest rain from New Orleans all the way into the panhandle of Florida. Slow-moving front with those flood threats. We're going to be watching that very closely. And that's your latest weather. Guys. All right, Al, thank you. Coming up, what's in a name? Well, we're going to reveal the final contenders for the Cincinnati Zoo's oh, new baby hippo. Plus, how you can help pick the winner right after this. Imagine bold, naturally aged Tillamook cheddar slices melting over a burger, eating thick-cut cheddar shreds straight from the bag. Ah, it's nice to dream about cheese for a bit. Tillamook cheddar, extraordinary dairy. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. We are back. It is 7.50, and folks, we've got some big news to share about the Cincinnati Zoo's new adorable baby hippo. This morning, we're revealing the final contenders for his right. name. Okay, so it's time. After a lot of online submissions from all over the world, the list has been narrowed down to just two choices. It feels like Ready? a drum roll. No? I know. I guess we're okay. There you go, Fritz. And Ferguson. Oh. I love them. Which one do you like? Those are great names for a hippo. I like Fritz. What do you Fritz. think? Fritz? Like Fritz? Yeah. I like Ferguson. It's kind of, like it's a little nerdy. I wonder what, do we know what, why those names were the, the People finals? voted. There were like okay. 90, more than 90,000 people voted. Okay. Huh. And uh, I guess there was an active lobby for Fritz and, and, and Ferguson. So cute. You know, he's Fritz he's now very he's so tiny. Fritz, but then like Fritz. gets older. Fritz, I mean, you can't lose. Those are two great yeah. names. Yeah. What do you think, Craig? Because you have a lot of opinions about names well, and hippos. I, I, you know, I've learned my lesson <laughs> on that. I'm going, to, I'm going to go with either Fritz or Ferguson. Fritz or Ferguson. I know. It's cute. Yeah. Okay. Well, guys, you can vote, actually. Today.com, vote for your favorite. And if you join us on Monday, we'll, we're going to check in with a little guy. Fun. Can't get enough hippo this summer, and we will find out what the winning name. I know. Hippos are the new sharks uh, here. Another Today, today exclusive. <laughs> right? Oh, there's a show. Sharks versus hippos. Oh, my gosh. Well, that would be interesting, wouldn't People it? People wow. the hippo. No, we got hippo. I mean, oh, they're yeah. adorable, but yes. they're, they're fierce creatures. <laughs>
But not little Fritz. Not Fritz, no. Fritz is safe. No, Fritz is adorable. We love Fritz. Or Ferguson. It's going to be Fritz. But if you met one of them in the wild, it could be a different story. I'm trying to help you here. I'm just saying. He's right, though. No, I'm just saying. Yeah, but... Yes. I know. This is what happens when they give us like 80 seconds to I fill. Okay, all right. Real. Say it isn't so. Save the kiss being dropped by the legendary Steve Martin about uh, his future in Hollywood. Oh, okay. We're going to talk about that. All right. And then we've got a really revealing new look at the highs and lows of Princess Diana's life, a life in the public eye. We've got a sneak peek at a new documentary. It's getting a lot of attention. People are really uh, buzzing about this one. So we'll get that inside look. But first, these messages. Thank you for coming out of this is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com.